Hello there, I'm Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you about it. Cool, so this is our third episode in a row that we're recording all today. Indeed. All the day after having watched um, The Rise of Skywalker. And I have refilled my pod broth. And it's the stuff from the bottom of the uh, pot, so... This is going to be super peppery then. Oh yeah, this is going to be the good stuff. Here goes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this is going to be a spicy episode. <laughs> this has been a bit of a recording session, and I imagine our listeners might be sick of hearing us talk about Star Wars for the past month of listening to the Doctor's Watcher, but this is probably going to be the last episode we record today, so... I'm always talking about... <laughs> I, I always want to talk about Star Wars, yeah. though. I guess I don't actually always talk about it, and that's because there's always that part of me that's like, this is a Doctor Who podcast. But well, again, if you're into sci-fi... Um, maybe someday we'll launch the Star Watcher. <laughs> maybe... So, Benny, do you remember how the last episode ended? In a cliff dangler, we decided. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, I, I just forget the names. These are not, they don't roll off the tongue. Antitus? Antitus, yeah. Antitus um, tied to Ian, um, and Ian's on the ledge, um, and Antitus has fallen off, and... Um, yeah, so Ian's kind of trying to pull him on, and Antidus can't, or pull him up, and Antidus can't uh, get a hold, and we're going to see what happens next. So Ganatus has come back around the corner of the ledge to where Ian is to try to help Ian keep his grip and okay. footing. Good. Since Antidus is tied to Ian. Good thinking. And Ian makes what I feel like is a very reasonable request of Antidus. Uh-huh. He says, Antidus! Get a grip on the rough face! Take the weight off the rope! Yeah. Antidus, without even thinking about considering the possibility of trying, hmm. just continues dangling and responds, It's too... Hmm. Ganatus starts having a hard time keeping his grip on Ian because Ian's hand is sweaty. So he starts calling Christus to come help. And we cut back to Antidus, who, while the camera wasn't watching, pulled a knife out. Hmm. And Antidus just kind of shrugs to himself mentally and emotionally. And he reaches up, and he saws through the rope and plunges to his death. Dang. Yeah, it was pretty hardcore. Dang. I mean, I feel like he could have waited a little longer. <laughs> Give the guys up top a chance to, like, figure things out. Like, maybe maybe if they can keep Ian properly anchored, then somebody could try pulling Antithus up. 
should be pretty hard if they're like pulling up the full weight of one person who's not even like holding on to yeah. the face or anything. Not even trying to help. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mention how quickly Antidus makes this decision because I was thinking about how it seems like Doctor Who in general is getting into some pretty fast cliffhanger resolutions. <laughs> or Cliff Dangler, as the case may be. Yes. You know, in this case, I actually noted it down. The episode starts, like, after the opening music plays out. The Uh episode itself actually starts at 25 seconds. Okay. Antidus has cut through the rope by a minute 45, (laughs) and he's dead by a minute 50. He fell for a a bit. Fell for five seconds. (laughs) So yeah, I thought that was resolved pretty quickly. I mean, I don't know if resolved is the best word, but but there's no longer a cliff dangler. I have to say, though, because sometimes you get a cliff something, <laughs> whether it's a cliffhanger or a cliff dangler, sometimes you you get cliffed and it gets resolved in a way that's just like, oh, okay, well, that was nothing. You know, like, yeah. you see a shape appear, and it's like, oh, no, it's just one of your guys or something. But here, it's like, okay, no, dude actually legit died. Yeah, like, that's and- true. Like, they did actually play the cliffhanger, the cliff dangler out <laughs> yes. and do something with it. Oh, audience, I hope you're enjoying this <laughs> as much as we are. <laughs> uh, which is unlike a few episodes ago. Remember when we see, like, the weird gross hand of the al- actual Dalek creature like reach out from under yeah the the cloak or whatever and that never got followed up on i mean it's just kind of gross yeah meanwhile susan and her grandfather are still being held captive by the daleks they're like actually like strapped or shackled up to the wall essentially uh-huh. and after arguing back and forth with the Daleks for a few moments and hearing about how racist the Daleks are when the Daleks say, Only one race can survive. The doctor just straight up asks, What are you planning? And the Daleks <laughs> tell him they're going to escape their captivity in the city and go out and rebuild the planet Scaro by subjecting their oxygen distributors to waste radiation from the ejector capsule. Mm. Or something like that. Some good good science there. Yeah. So the doctor points out that if they do this, nothing on the planet can survive. To which they respond, Except the Daleks! Yeah, but what are you going to eat? So they've got you there, doctor. <laughs> Back in the caves, Christus reports to everyone else, which at this point is down to just Ian, Barbara, and Ganatus, that the way forward is blocked by a rock fall. I think this is like a few minutes later. They've uh-huh. kind of moved on from the cliff a little bit. The way forward is blocked by a rock fall. Ganatus seems pretty upset by this and by the whole situation in general. His brother died previously, I think, in in the fight, or maybe his brother was Elian, I don't know. In any case, his brother died. Now Antidus has died. 
and it's all for nothing if if they have to turn back now because the path is blocked. Yeah. And he says, Can't you see there isn't any sense in it anymore? Hmm. And Ian and Barbara are like, dude, like, we'll just go back and find another way. It's not like we're, like, fully giving up or whatever. But Genetus, it seems, actually wants to give up now. Wow. Yeah. But Ian is like, well, then your brother really will have died for nothing. Yeah. He gave us a chance. And Genetus is like, My brother didn't want us to come. He said we'd all die. So Genetus is pretty down at this moment. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. He was the one earlier who was just like, no, we have to do this. It's the only way. And now he's... But I guess sometimes it is the people who seem the most, like, unshakable. Yeah, that's true. If something does crack that resolve, then they just might fall to pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I sort of wonder if Antidus had made the jump, Uh if, like, he would have been fine for the rest of the trip. Because, like, he had to overcome something in order to get from, you know, staring blindly down into the chasm to actually attempting the jump. Yeah. If that had been, like, properly successful, then he maybe would have been like, all right, that was cool. Like, maybe I don't totally suck. Yeah, like, maybe once you face some danger, then you can, yeah, you have a realization of, oh, um, because if... Before you've actually personally encountered something dangerous, I'm speaking as though, like, you know, I go up through mutant-infested forests and swamps and lakes and dangerous caverns all the time, which I realize (laughs) I don't. Um, But I have played a lot of video games and Dungeons & Dragons. Um, (laughs) And, you know, when you're facing the unknown, then it's unknown, and then you can kind of build it up in your brain. Yeah. Um, But then once you face one danger, then you're like, oh, okay, well, that's the difficulty setting of this... uh, this game or right. whatever, and then, like, maybe I can handle this. Yeah, but your your fear and anticipation of it is often much worse than what it actually ends up being. It can be, yeah. It can be. Yeah. I suppose I shouldn't necessarily say often, but <laughs> but it can be. And, yeah, Ganatus is not feeling things and wants to give up, and to make matters worse, their lantern starts to flicker and fade mm. at this point. So I'm curious how Ian's doing at this point, because, like, he's the one who was there when Antidus died, and presumably if he'd held on to him a little better or something, then maybe he'd still be alive. Yeah, yeah, like, Ian, I don't know that I'd call it his fault, but yeah. but he maybe probably could have prevented it. Yeah. But he's he seems fine, actually. He doesn't really seem too affected by it. We've got more NPCs. Even though just a few episodes ago, he was all about not wanting any Thals to die for him. Yeah. I guess that's out the window now. Yeah, that's... I mean, maybe we just didn't have time for that in the episode. Yeah. kind of sucky of him. So their lantern starts to flicker and fade, and in order to try to conserve it, they turn it off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And while it's turned off, that allows Ian to notice that there's actually light coming into the cave from somewhere mm. that they hadn't seen before. So he looks around and 
surges for it and moves a few rocks out of the way and ends up discovering that they've been traveling underneath the pipes this whole time and are basically like in the Dalek city now. OMG. So, but, but weren't they going to travel on like a path that the Daleks cut through the mountain, through the mountain to build the the pipes? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They, they mentioned that and then never went back to it. Probably that path wouldn't have had a giant chasm. (laughs) Just a nice, gentle slope. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, the Daleks can probably, you know, can't go up a grade <laughs> no. higher than like a couple percent. <laughs> Would have been the nicest stroll. <laughs> Back in the forest, in the taunting group, Dione and Aladdin have noticed that the Dalek antenna hasn't moved in quite some time. And so they surmise that the doctor must have succeeded in his plan of putting it out of action. But they also further surmise that because he hasn't returned, yeah, he probably must have been captured by the Daleks. I mean, maybe the reason that the antenna hasn't moved is just because the Daleks want to finish watching their show. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Aladdin goes back to the rest of the, the forest thals. And he tells them that now is the time to attack. Okay, well, we'll see how that works out for them. In the city, the Daleks are about to start the process of irradiating the oxygen distributors. (laughs) Okay. And Susan's like, How do we stop them? Can't we do anything? And the doctor's like, Oh, hey, we haven't told you yet how we got to this planet. Mm. And the Dalek is like, Dude, we don't give a shit. (laughs) And the doctor's like, you should totally give a shit. I have a ship capable of crossing the barriers of space and time. Surely this would be invaluable to you. Oh, doctor. The Dalek is like, eh, whatever. I don't believe you. And the doctor's like, it's totally true. You even have a part of my ship that you stole from the young man. The Dalek's like, oh, you mean this thingy? (laughs) And the doctor's like, yeah, check it out. It's totally a complicated mechanism. It's part of my badass, super functional, non-junkyard ship. (laughs) What if I show you the ship and I help you build a new one and shit? I mean, if they're just trying to distract the Daleks, then they could just lie, (laughs) make up another story, and not give them this potentially very useful, powerful tool. Well, the Dalek asks, where is it? And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, it's totally, like, out in the petrified forest outside the city. And the Dalek is like, cool, cool, we'll totally check it out after we irradiate the planet. And the doctor's like, wait! And the Dalek is like, fuck off. <laughs> These are the most foul-mouthed Daleks <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> we actually get to hear a Dalek proverb in this discussion. The doctor is telling the Dalek about how it can't operate the TARDIS without him. And the Dalek responds with the lovely maxim, Every problem has a solution! Huh. Yeah, I thought that was, you know... I mean, kind of demonstrably untrue. (laughs) Sure, I could come up with a problem that doesn't have a solution. Uh Uh-huh. 
Um, but that's you, a, you know that's a can-do attitude. That's optimism. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, some positive thinking Daleks. Next time you're stuck in a, a difficult situation and you're not sure what to do, just take a minute to you know breathe a few deep breaths and think to yourself: every problem has a solution. <laughs> yes. You'll be feeling much better. WWDD, what would Daleks do? <laughs> I mean, we, we know what they would do. They yeah. would exterminate. They would exterminate. <laughs> and this conversation between the Doctor and the Dalek is interrupted by the vibration locators, which I think are the vibroscopes. I was going to say, those are not vibration locators. <laughs> I mean, technically they are, but you better call them uh-huh. vibroscopes. So the vibroscopes detect the Thals entering the city. You have to use its stupid, awesome name. <laughs> I think this is the group of Thals from the forest that they're detecting. Okay. That decided now is the time to attack. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, we cut to our other group of, well, half Thals in the city, uh, Barbara and Ganatus and Ian and Christus, uh-huh. who are sneaking through a hallway trying to figure out where they are and they're, you know, hiding from Daleks as they go. When they hear the announcement calling all Daleks in section one to level one due to the Thals entering the city. Hmm. So they realize that Aladdin, Aladdin and the others must have arrived. There's a lot of action happening on the Daleks part at this point. They've detected the Thals so they're preparing for that. Ian has knocked out at least one security camera that mm-hmm. the Daleks have noticed. Uh-huh. So, you know, they're all mobilizing to fight. But then some other Daleks are still busy readying the final stage of the radiation project, <laughs> which the doctor begs them not to do, to which they respond. Nothing can stop the Daleks. Begin countdown. One hundred... Hello, this is Dalek Kyle. I hope you are enjoying this podcast. If so, please leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. If you are not enjoying it, you can leave a five-star review anyway to give Benny and I a false sense of security. Thank you for listening. We cut to Ian, who leads his group as they sneak through more corridors that are decorated in typical Dalek City fashion. You know, the futuristic arches all the way down the hallway, Mm -hmm. and then the end of the hallway painted to look like the hallway continues much further. The Daleks have such a strange aesthetic. (laughs) They run into Aladdin, who's also sneaking through the halls, almost get shot in the process. Hmm. But, you know, they all survive and run into each other, and Aladdin joins the group. Apparently, he and his group of Thals decided to split their party <laughs> because they didn't know what they were looking for without the doctor. I'm not quite sure why that leads to let's split the party. <laughs> but apparently it does. The loudspeaker goes off again, 
and it calls all Daleks to the control room on level 10. And our heroes realize that they must be close to the control room because they're on level 9. Hmm. The loudspeaker then announces that corridor intersections everywhere other than level 10 will be closed. And sure enough, these sliding doors start closing all around our heroes. Ian manages to hold one of them open while everyone passes through under it. But, of course, there's another door closing ahead of them off screen. Mm. So Barbara rushes off screen towards it, and we don't get to see what happens yet. We instead cut to the Dalek control room, where the countdown from 100 has gotten down to 52 now. I wonder if the Daleks have like a 100 second per Dalek minute system or something Oh, they like might, that, yeah. Because it seems, I mean, it well, might I, just be... I should clarify that this countdown, it's not like numbers on a screen. Uh-huh. It's a Dalek actually counting, literally counting down <laughs> from 100. And he's gotten, or it's gotten to 52 and the Daleks have noticed that, you know, some of the doors have not fully closed. Like, their, you know, their instruments are telling them this, mm-hmm. that the doors are blocked. Their doroscope. Right. So they increase power to the doors as the count drops to 48. The countoscope is down to 48. <laughs> and we cut back to our heroes. Uh, this portion of the episode has a lot of cutting back and forth between the Daleks and our various groups of heroes in their various split parties. Mm -hmm. We see that Barbara is holding the next door open, but due to the increasing pressure when the Daleks increase the power to the door, she quickly falls and becomes trapped under the door. Oh, geez. Ian manages to take enough of the pressure off of it for her to get herself through, and for Aladdin to follow. Meanwhile, we cut to a different shot where we hear the counting Dalek count from 46 down to 42 hmm. while we see a Dalek shoot a Thal. Uh, I think it's a generic Thal that we don't <laughs> know the name of. An NPC. But this, this NPC Thal gets shot with the turn-the-film-negative gun. Hmm. Ian and Genetus, we cut back to them. They both managed to get under their door. And then we get nearly two full minutes of screen time from about 1240 to about 1409, where literally the only dialogue is the Dalek countdown. Hmm. Uh, and people are like running around. Yeah, there's like action scenes happening and stuff. But we get to hear every single number <laughs> from 40 down to 13 before there's any more dialogue. I have to say, like, getting trapped under a door that's closing down on top of you would be really scary. Yeah, it would be. Especially if you can feel the pressure of the door increasing Ugh. as you're trapped. Man, I can just... Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. We get a really interesting shot from about the count of 40 down to the count of 34 or so, that in one continuous shot, it starts on the recently turn the film negative 
shot Thal lying on the ground, and the camera tilts up from this Thal so it's level, and then pans around the whole scene in a 360-degree circle. It starts on an empty corridor as the Dalk moves out of the shot. It pans past a few various bits of equipment. It pans past the Doctor and Susan, where they're shackled up to the wall as prisoners. Uh It pans past the Dalek that I believe was the Counting Dalek. And it ends up on the same corridor that it started on, except now Ian turns a corner and appears in the corridor and starts heading towards the camera with his group. I can't imagine that a 360-degree shot was an easy thing to pull off. No, I think it it really wouldn't have been, especially then. Like They would have had to build like the full set around it and been able to like manipulate the camera in there and everything. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a shot that I watched a few times just because it was so cool. Like the first time I probably didn't quite realize then I was like, Oh, Hey, did, was that really like a, just one shot? And I had to like rewind and watch it again a few times. Yeah, it was neat. So Ian and his group are sneaking and hiding and making their way down the corridor taking advantage multiple times of the fact that Daleks don't really have peripheral vision. (laughs) They are rolling very well on their sneak checks, and the Daleks are rolling pretty poorly on their perceptions. It sounds like with no depth perception, they must have a pretty bad penalty. Well, I think think they've got a low passive, (laughs) pretty low passive perception, and I guess it would be up to the DM if you allowed them to make active perception checks there or not. As NPCs, probably they just go with passive. The DM seems to be rather uh, permissive in this game <laughs> so far. Yeah. But they they end up sneaking far enough to see Susan and her grandfather. Hmm. And so Ian and Aladdin sneak over to remove their shackles and help him out. Dang, this plan's working out better than I thought. Yeah, actually it is working out pretty well so far. Barbara has somehow conveniently found a large rock somewhere. <laughs> she found it off screen. In, inside a corridor in a building. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, but we see her with this rock, which she throws at a Dalek, I guess to provide a distraction okay. from busting Susan and the Doctor out. It's very brave of her. And when she throws her rock at this Dalek... This is finally our first non-numerical bit of dialogue after these, like, two minutes of countdown when a Dalek says, Follow and kill her! What do you mean kill? <laughs> We're Daleks! But our heroes manage to trap the Dalek who's going, who follows Barbara. They trap it, and several Thals have now shown up and are fighting back against the Daleks pretty effectively. Um, a couple of Thals get hit by the turn the film negative ray. And do the Thals also have a turn the film negative ray? No, their method of fighting the Daleks is mostly just hitting them. Okay, yeah, I guess they did say they were completely un- uh-huh. unarmed. They, they sometimes will hit them with what basically looked like two by fours. 
but often they're just hitting him with their forearms <laughs> in almost like like a Star Trek Kirk fighting move. Um, I'm not entirely sure how it does anything to the Daleks at yeah. all whatsoever. Yeah. But, but it seems to, apparently. I mean, earlier we were joking about, like, fist fighting a Dalek and trying to crack that shell and what a thrill that would be. But no, it just <laughs> seems like a terrible idea. Actually. Yeah. We do see a few people. I think Ian is one of them. But a few people manage to like climb onto the back of a Dalek, and they kind of like grab onto its plunger arm and gun arm and ride it around. <laughs> I don't think they had any way of actually controlling it. I think they were like just riding, but the Daleks seemed pretty annoyed by it. I can imagine. And yeah, so there's a lot of hitting the Daleks. This fight goes on for a while. I'm not really sure how they did anything to the Daleks other than be a mild annoyance. <laughs> but somehow the Daleks felt overwhelmed and called for reinforcements. I feel like if you could tip a Dalek over... A few of them do get tipped over. Cool. Yeah. Good job. And I think, yeah, once they're tipped over, then they're pretty much <laughs> just disabled. The countdown stopped at four, like several seconds ago. <laughs> It's not clear why. I don't know if the counting Dalek got tipped over. Are we, are we still on initiative order? Or, uh, yeah. Maybe they just got overwhelmed in the fight and forgot about it. I don't know. It's never even addressed why the <laughs> countdown stopped at four, but it did. And at some point during this fight, the Daleks all basically just kind of shut off. And it turns out that they're out of power. <laughs> One of Andy. them, yeah. Well, I guess this was the result of the doctor shoving his TARDIS key into the the fuse box last episode. They were just sort of short circuiting it. Power this whole time, right? And like the battery's dying now. The battery's <laughs> run out. So all the Daleks just kind of like stop, and Ian even like kicks one and it rolls like several feet across the floor Aww. and yeah it just doesn't do anything one of the Daleks as it's as it's slowly dying or whatever it tells the doctor that if he doesn't stop their power from draining it will be the end of the Daleks mm -hmm. and the doctor says that even if he wanted to he doesn't know how to which the Dalek replies oh the doctor's like, not that I actually want to stop you all from dying, because I'm kind of a callous old bastard. And uh -huh. also, y'all suck. Y'all <laughs> just straight up suck. So Eldon's just like, well, guess that's it. And the doctor and Ian go off to check the reactors for radiation leakage. Ian hands the doctor the long-lost fluid link so they can finally get the ship working again. We kind of cut through time a little bit back at the Thal camp. Susan and Barbara urge the Thals to study the Dalek machines and learn how to work the Dalek technology. Cool. The Daleks were growing food underground with artificial sunlight. I remember that. So that could solve all the Thals' problems. Artificial sunlight. Still cool. Yeah. Sometime later, again, we're, you know, we're cutting through time here as they wrap up their visit with the Thals. 
we are back outside the TARDIS, which has now been repaired. The fluid link has, has been replaced. Cool. And Aladdin wonders where the Doctor and his companions come from, and the Doctor completely ignores the question. <laughs> Instead, he just expresses his envy of the Thals, getting to rebuild a whole new world. Mm -hmm. And Aladdin asks the Doctor to stay, but he says, Oh, no, 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 I'm afraid I'm much too old to be a pioneer, although I was once amongst my own people. Hmm. Which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. We just get, like, these little glimpses of the Doctor's past. Yeah. Don't know what it means that he once was a pioneer, but, but apparently that's a thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So there's a phenomenon that you sometimes will see in Doctor Who, where the Doctor has a little bit of dialogue that's sometimes like a whole mini monologue, or sometimes it's just a line or two, where it seems, for lack of a better term, just very Doctory. Hmm. And we get one of those here. I think maybe the first one of the series, actually, now that I think about it. Our doctory monologue of the episode. Uh-huh. After, after telling Aladdin that he's been doing science on the dirt, and it's not as bad as you might think, he says, You wanted advice, you said. I never give it. Never. <laughs> I just tell people what to do. <laughs> but I might just say this to you. Always search for truth. My truth is in the stars, and yours is here. Hmm. I liked that line. Like, it was kind of cosmic. It's very generic in terms of actual advice, <laughs> which the doctor says he never gives and then just goes right ahead and gives some. Uh-huh. And it has just that touch of, I'm a cool alien who's also a curmudgeonly old bastard right there at the end. Yes. I mean, there's something about that that seems a little patronizing to me. Like, I travel throughout the galaxy. You can just hang out here on your planet. Yeah. Yeah, I I felt the same. And that's kind of part of why I liked this quote, honestly. <laughs> for for this particular doctor, you know, I think it, it, really, it really seemed to fit his character. Cool. Our heroes wrap things up with the Thals. Susan has a cloak that Dione gave her as a gift. Cool. Dione urges the doctor to stay behind and live with them. He turns her down one last time, although he says that maybe he'll visit her grandchildren and live with them. Huh. I thought was kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. Seemed kind of a little bit rude. I don't think that's how he meant it, but it's just weird. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I would take that. Yeah. Just like, what's wrong with us? Yeah, am I not good enough? Presumably by then your planet will be nicer. I don't want to... I think that was the implication. Like, the Thals here, you know, have been, like, on the road for I don't know how long. Yeah. But, you know, they left their place some time ago because they ran out of food. Yeah. Now they're, like, just starting the process of rebuilding civilization (laughs) Maybe your grandkids will be living like in the Dalek City and have nice, easy lives and not be like fighting for survival out here in the forest. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Um, the doctor then greatly confuses Aladdin by performing a handshake on him as he says goodbye. 
and Aladdin just kind of like looks at him funny with this confused look on his face. I guess the Thals don't have handshake technology. <laughs> it's they have a lot of advanced technologies, but and even though Ladies First has apparently come up in their discussions of Thal culture versus Earth culture, handshakes have never come up before yet. Uh, I guess you're not supposed to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Ian and Barbara each get to go around and say goodbye to all the various different Thals. And Barbara has a final private moment with Ganatus outside mm. the TARDIS. He gives her some fabric that she intends to make into a dress. Oh, cool. And he kisses her hand, and she kisses his lips. Oh. And then turns and rushes into the TARDIS. Oh, my goodness. And the other Thals come over to comfort Ganatus, and Aladdin (laughs) tells him not to be sad. And Ganatus says, I won't be, but I don't think I'll ever forget her. As we start hearing the TARDIS noise and we see the TARDIS fade away. I wonder what Ian would say about that. (laughs) But also it's interesting that they don't have handshakes, but they apparently do, like, did did he just sort of do the hand kiss on his own? Or is that something he saw? Um, there humans do? Oh, that's unclear. We don't know if he'd ever seen it before. Like, he and Barbara were definitely having, like, a moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess they don't have handshakes, but they, they do yeah, they don't have handshakes, kisses. but they, they have hand kisses apparently. Okay. Uh, the TARDIS fades out and Dione walks over to where it was and like checks the area out and like puts her hands in the dirt, Whoa. has this confused expression on her face. Meanwhile, we cut to the bridge of the TARDIS. And we see, we the viewers see the special effect where it looks like they overexposed the film or burnt it or something just briefly. And the TARDIS sound starts changing, Uh starts sounding different. And the doctor rushes around to like all of the various different consoles all the way around the hexagonal control thingy in the center of the room that has the up and down thingy in it. (laughs) And he's flipping switches and pushing buttons and turning knobs and whatever. But whatever he's doing doesn't seem to work because the pitch of the TARDIS noise is getting higher and higher. And eventually, as the pitch gets too high there's an explosion noise and then there's a flash of light followed by darkness as everyone, including the doctor is knocked back and falls to the ground as the, the up and down thingy stops moving stuck in the down position and the lights on the bridge are all off and the titles appear on the screen next episode, the edge of destruction. Oh no. That's it for the first Dalek serial. Oh, man. The Daleks. 
iconic <laughs> Doctor Who villains, nevertheless defeated by power failure and short battery life after somebody stuck a key in one of their uh, circuit boxes, uh-huh. fuse boxes. Well, you know, there was only the one cable, so... Yes. If that's not getting powered, then what What can you do? And, like, I, I kind of wonder if maybe it turns out that that mercury in the, the fluid link was not the, you know, high-quality stuff. <laughs> that's causing us problems now. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're going to have, like, a whole series of episodes where they need mercury... And just keep finding out that they don't have any. Y'all gave us the cheap stuff. Uh, I think this wasn't in my notes, but I think in the whole wrap up with the Thals at the end, that the doctor actually mentions at one point that like they've got a bunch of mercury now. So I assume they took it from the Dalek city. Yeah, I guess I just sort but, of assume that too. Yeah, Kyle, would you? Uh recommend to our viewers that they check this out if they're curious i would actually i think the daleks as a serial this is you know just the second serial of the show i really wish it were the first (laughs) it would be in my opinion a much better introduction to doctor who than the one with the cave people and there's really nothing about about the cave people serial in this that you needed to have no. first. No, yeah, there's, yeah, no no crossover or background knowledge or anything is required for this. And this is the canonical introduction of the Daleks. Yeah. This is, as far as we know, like, we've got their backstory now. Wow. They were on this planet, Scarrow, 500 years ago, and they were called Dolls at the time, and they mm-hmm. fought the Thals, <laughs> and... And now they're all dead because the doctor short-circuited so their fuse box. We'll never see that so again. So we'll never hear about Daleks again. They never got to say just exterminate by <laughs> itself. It was always exterminating or extermination. But yeah, to to get back to your question, I would actually recommend this serial. I found it quite enjoyable. Cool, because I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, it's a... <laughs> Next time I come over to visit. A little bit on the long side, maybe. Seven episodes. I think probably they could have done it in five. Like, probably five, I think. Yeah, it seems like some of that was kind of filler. Like, the the stuff in the caverns. Yeah. um, And it's maybe some of the back and forth with their plots when they're in the city trying to get out and send messages and all that. Yeah. Could have cut down on some of it. And, you know, maybe we didn't need to hear literally every single number from 40 <laughs> down to four. Sometimes it does feel like, you know, they've got a certain <laughs> requirement that they're trying to hit. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, I, I would recommend this one. Cool. Yeah. My one caveat would be that it's a little on the long side. Yeah. But, you know, I guess at 25 minutes an episode, mm-hmm. seven episodes, that's, yeah, that's not so what, bad. like... A little short of three hours or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's just a very long movie. Yeah. It's a Peter Jackson movie. <laughs> I don't know that I want to sit through it all in one sitting. Okay. I mean, same with Peter but, Jackson movies. Sure. It's usually good to build in a couple of bathroom breaks. And, yeah. You know, maybe go get a snack halfway. <laughs> but, you know, you've got a great opportunity for a bathroom break every 25 minutes. That's true. Yeah. 
yeah, I do want to watch this. I think it's a good one. Uh, you know, I think Daleks are very cool. Yeah, I, I know. I've I keep talking about that. I've brought it up before, um, but I I just kind of I love their look. I love the idea behind them. I think um, you know, there's some weight to the fact that they are so long running and established, kind of this iconic villain in Doctor Who, and Doctor Who being uh, the oldest still running. TV shows or concepts mm-hmm. I think that really kind of elevates this whole Dalek thing and to see them in the beginning already kind of behaving recognizably Dalek-like. Yeah, definitely. Really cool. like, I think they haven't worked everything out. I think later on the Daleks have something, if I remember right, they, they really don't like personality or individualism at all. Um, yeah, that seems right. And but that's not really a thing yet. Yeah. Or at least they haven't gotten into it. Yeah. It's it's cool. It's cool. And it's kind of an action-packed series. It's got interesting kind of special effects. And mm-hmm. um, every character gets to do something. And uh, it's, yeah, I'd be interested in watching it's it. It's got a, at least one proper Cliff Dangler ending. Yes. Gotta watch it for the Cliff Dangler, if nothing else. Oh, and for the uh, the cute metal um, lizard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Earlier. Yeah, for sure. Who was in the first episode, so uh, if you don't watch the others, you should at least check out the cute metal lizard. Although, if you only watch the dead planet, then you're not going to see any actual Daleks. Oh, well, but but you do the get the cute metal lizard. We'll just have to watch the whole series. Okay, thanks, Kyle. <laughs> thanks for watching Doctor Who and telling me about it. For sure. And then next time we'll get something, I guess. Yeah, yeah, The Edge of Destruction is our next episode, and... It has been literally years since I've seen it. Uh-huh. I have not yet watched it in preparation for this podcast, so I'm looking forward. I hardly remember anything about it. So, But you did say that they always alternate between a historical one and a sci-fi one in these early... Uh, I think serials. they usually do. I don't know if it's strictly always okay, true. Saying, like, Edge of Destruction sounds pretty sci-fi. Did I get that right? Edge of Destruction yeah. sounds pretty sci-fi to me, but I don't know, maybe they're like, oh, it's... I don't know, something from this. Edge of destruction of the Roman Empire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I'd be down for that. Yeah. Let's see what happens next in two weeks for you, listeners, and we'll have to figure out what our schedule is going to be here on our end. Indeed. I need you to, don't have to still watch the that. episode. You don't have to worry about that because we've got them all queued up and they're coming out every two weeks. Probably still coming out every two weeks. Yeah. Who knows what schedule we'll be on when we hit this. Maybe we'll have changed it by then. We'll say two weeks. Cool. Bye, listeners. Sounds good. Talk to you later. May the doctor be with you. (laughs) Bye. Hi, Kyle here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit 23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com, or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher.
Yes. Stop all power from wasting, or it will be end of the Dalek. Even if I wanted to, I don't know how. 